Hi there, I'm Andy, a moon chasing, manifesting, wander lover, and feel good aficionado. Consider me your woo woo best friend. This show is a sacred space for ideas, concepts, and modalities that might be considered taboo, but that I personally find a great magic in. In these conversations, my mission is to inspire confidence, worth, and mystical thinking in our modern world. Let's get into it, shall we? Hi, hi, my friends. It's bonus episode time. I've missed you so much. It's wild that we've not recorded in a couple of weeks, and I'm just really ready to be back with you. And I can't wait for season two. I'm not going to talk about that now, but we have so much magic in store for season two. So this bonus episode includes an interview, one of the interviews that I have been just holding in my heart, so ready to share with you. Perhaps one of the most inspiring folks that I can think of in terms of supporting my journey into the woo. And while she definitely did not know that when we set up this interview, when I got the message that she was being scheduled for the show, I had a little pinch me moment because her work has been so powerful in my life. So I'll talk about that shortly. Before we get there, let's talk leaps of faith. Several years ago, as many of you know, gosh, now it's been, I don't know, seven years even, I left my corporate job. It was a job I loved. There were people who I worked with that were like family to me that I was walking away from. And I moved across the ocean. I moved from New Orleans to Spain for a summer. I went deep. I studied. I practiced. And I refined the manifestation method that works the best for me. To me, manifestation has nothing to do with saying positive affirmations over and over again. It has nothing to do with superstition. It has everything to do, from my perspective, with your subconscious belief system, all that stuff that's been ingrained in you since you were a little tiny person. And it has so much to do with what your subconscious believes to be possible about your life. And then that influences so much. And then you combine your vibrational frequency, which I've mentioned this many times before, and I'll mention it again. This isn't like a high vibe, low vibe thing. This is we're human beings. So we have high vibrational emotions and we have low vibrational emotions. It happens all day long, where we're moving in and out of frequencies. When we're able to move out of low vibrational frequencies like jealousy, envy, anxiety, greed, those are low low vibrational frequencies. When we're able to move out of that more quickly into frequencies that align with the emotions of love and compassion and power and confidence— When we're able to do that, we can attract in what we want in our lives so much more quickly. And oftentimes, we don't even know that we're doing it. I've learned throughout the last 10 years of running my business and being a conscious CEO that manifestation happens much more seamlessly when we pair the planning of what we want with doing the inner work. Manifestation is happening all the time, but manifesting what it is that we want happens much more seamlessly when paired with doing the inner work. So we're going to be talking a whole lot more about that going into season two. We have some really great episodes around manifestation from this season that I encourage you to listen to as a reminder of what's possible as you start to plan out what you want for 2022 It's why my method, the Wee Wee Manifestation Method, incorporates yogic technology, psychology, cosmic alignment, and the science of human energy. When we combine all of those techniques and modalities, we're able to move with doing that inner work much more quickly into a high vibrational attraction energy. 
once you're able to identify the parts of you that previously you may have chosen to ignore, those blocks and limiting beliefs begin to evaporate and you unlock a completely new power within you. So whatever it is that you're envisioning for 2022, trust me when I say that if you can hold the vision for that, you're already on the path. You're so close. So a few things that I want to mention, a little gift guide, if you will, that we are offering through WeWe. We have first the Manifestation Blueprint. We've had an overwhelming response to this, and the doors are still open. It starts on the winter solstice. It is a four-session course that goes deep into the manifestation process as you map out your 2022 plans to achieve your goals with inspired, actionable steps. You'll learn how to manifest. You'll learn how to call in your desires with personalized guidance from me in partnership with a small group. So you can still sign up for that now. Another really magical, beautiful gift to share with someone you love or to share with yourself is a membership for a month in Cult La Lune, which is our monthly course to look inwards, to cultivate self-love and manifestation through rituals, meditation, movement, journaling, and breath work. It's a 29-day practice, very much work at your own pace. We get together a couple of times throughout the month. And for January, we are launching some new additions to the course. So that is available now. You can register for the January session or gift it to someone you love, and you'll get all sorts of beautiful goodies that have not been available until now for the new course launch in January. So I wanted to mention those things. We're also offering a really lovely gift guide on WeWe. The gift guide includes some really eclectic, beautiful, all-sustainable gifts for the conscious connoisseur in your life, for the person who, like you, is passionate about the longevity of our planet, On the gift guide, you'll find things from oils and cozy sets made of plant-based materials and dyes. You'll see artisan jewelry and clean beauty items. And then we have a couple of items from today's show guest. Our guest today is Kim Kranz. She's a visionary artist and author and the creator of the New York Times bestseller, the Wild Unknown Tarot. Kim is a prolific creative influenced by a range of mystical traditions. She's published multiple oracle decks and guidebooks, a memoir, an interactive journal, five children's books. She's also known for her work as a multimedia artist, a filmmaker, and a musician. Let's talk about The Wild Unknown. So, That's likely what you know of her. It's likely how you have become familiar with her work. It is one of the most widely known tarot decks. It is, in fact, a New York Times bestseller. It was self-published in 2012, and we're going to talk about this in the episode. And then it later rose to become that best-selling title. And now it's been translated into 10 languages. Her occult-turned-mainstream drawings can be spotted on tarot cards, handbags, books, snowboards, celebrity social media feeds, tattoos. It's everywhere, this, this deck and these drawings that Kim has truly channeled and brought forward into the world. Kim currently teaches events and workshops around the world that activate the forces of creativity and radical transformation through art, meditation, mysticism, and movement. To round out our holiday gift conversation, I do also want to mention Kim has some really beautiful new offerings within the Wild Unknown family. She has a pocket tarot deck that has just come out. I've already ordered mine. It's a really beautiful set of the Wild Unknown cards, but in a travel size. So really great for obviously traveling, but also bringing to parties or things like that. And then she created the Wild Unknown Notes and the Wild Unknown Notebook Collection. The notes are a stationary set. It's 16 different hand-drawn card designs. And then the notebook is 
perfect for journaling or note-taking, drawing, etc. So let's bring Kim in. I can't wait for you to meet her. I'm so thrilled to have her here for this bonus episode. Welcome, Kim Kranz. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm so thrilled to chat with you. I've been a fan of your of your work and your deck was actually my first tarot deck many, many, many years ago. And I'm looking forward to getting to know a bit about you. As you know, we start the show talking a little bit about astrology and specifically your sun, moon, and rising sign. So if you'd be so kind as to share your sun, moon, and rising sign. I am a Taurus with a Sagittarius moon and Aries rising. Wow. That is exactly the same as my partner's chart. Great. That's pretty wild. I know. So I'm like, I already I mean, know you. We're going we're gonna to have a great combo right now. <laughs> I know. That means I'm already basically in love with you. So yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. How have you found, okay, so Taurus Sun, how have you found that that, how does that show up in the world for you? I, I just, obviously, I love a Taurus. So I'm so, I'm so interested to hear how your Taurusness affects your life. I think it's around steadiness and commitment, a kind of loyalty to the project or to the relationship or to the, to the life um, amidst, you know, the woo woo nature of my, of my heart and brain to, to like go out and explore and expand and, and be sort of up and out um, in terms of energy I do feel like I can rely on the Taurus nature to stay steady and true um, and, and committed. So, for example, if I do a really trippy, uh, I did a, a collage project um, from my dreams that was really far out. I haven't shown it to anyone. It's really weird but I, and, and beautiful and cool, but it's also far out. But I did it for a year. <clears throat> I did it every morning for a year. So I think that's one way that <clears throat> steadiness can show up and sort of ground the practice. Yeah. And I also think my um, love of like beauty and material and uh, form, that's one of my, I, I feel like my work in the world almost is to be, to stay very close to material mm -hmm. and um, work with it, you know, with my hands, my mind. Um, whether it's, you know, actual watercolor on paper or if it's um, sound or prayer or mantra, whatever it might be, that I have a innate desire to make things intriguing or beautiful um, as, as much as I can. Yeah, and it really it really shines through in the work that you do, at least the work that I've seen, not the far out collage that I hope we all get to see at some point. <laughs> Someday. A little further yeah, down the line, uh, perhaps. Beautiful, beautiful. So tell me a bit about your story. Let's talk about your story. And I certainly want to talk about how the deck, the, the very famous deck came to be, but I'd love to hear your story and how you got into this work to begin with. Um, my story begins, well, hmm, which story? Um, yeah, you get to choose. Like, <laughs> okay, I'll start, I'll stay with the art story. And that was, um, you know, leaving home for art school pretty early. I got a scholarship in high school. And so I left home at 14 and really began like my journey with one of my teachers at, at Interlock and Arts Academy. Um, where I, I, st I basically had five years of five hours of art a day. So we had two hours of painting, an hour of figure drawing, and two hours of sculpture. And then we had our like humanities and math and science, you know, like two hours of that um, on the side. And so I became like really obsessed with the visual, the visual language and drawing, and um, <clears throat> that carried me through. You know, I came to art school in New York City, which is where I live now. And then when I interfaced with the tarot deck, I felt at that point 
so in love with image and its potential to move people and to open up the imagination and to take us places where like the conscious mind can't that when I would see tarot decks, I had a real aversion to the way that they looked. Mm. I would read about them and study the cards and friends would give me decks. And, but I really, really didn't like the way that they looked. And I won't say that like across the board, there's so many fantastic decks and like, there's so many now, like it's kind of incredible how many there are, but they have increased in their, their representation and they've, expanded their the diversity of how they express some of the concepts and some of the more famous decks are quite um quite rigid in how they depict uh the people um and the concepts so it just rubbed me the wrong way in the way that um things do for artists i think and that's why we have to like make our own iteration of them so I came to the tarot deck uh, wanting to draw it for myself because I was like, these concepts are so cool. I'm going to draw myself my own tarot deck and then I'll give it to my friends. And then when I started showing people the drawings I was working on, they were so psyched. And I realized like, oh, I should print this myself. So I self-published and I printed a thousand copies and they just, they were gone before, you know, we even knew that they were for sale <laughs> and then that just continued on and on and um eventually got picked up you know years later by a by a harper collins and and here we are it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story it's a really cool story it's an interesting story i mean in a way the tarot has taken me for a total ride like i thought i was just drawing something and Mm -hmm. it turns out the tarot itself the concepts are so um they're they're big they're the big whammies of life they're like the big concepts and the big archetypal kind of narratives of our life so anytime that you know one interfaces with those deeply things tend to change and the tarot really making it really shifted my whole life path in a way that I didn't anticipate and in some ways still feel like I'm trying to recalibrate from Um, you know to be known as a tarot artist is like really bizarre to me I'm like I'm an artist I drew the tarot I'm not a tarot artist but in in a way the tarot just keeps spinning around me and being like no we're not we're not totally done (laughs) so um I've come to just respect that actually just just kind of bow down to it and say like oh you're you have a force that's bigger than me and um, we can be in relationship. We're going to be in relationship for the rest of our lives. So it's it's been interesting. Yeah. So for someone who's not yet explored working with the tarot, can you give us an overview of what, what happens when you work with a tarot deck? What's the process perhaps for someone who's, new to exploring tarot as a modality? It's such a big question. There's so many ways to answer it. I'm going to stick with image because that's my orientation. The cards are so magical because they pair image with concept. And it does something really cool in the brain. It bypasses our intellect and So the tarot is built of 78 cards that are images paired with concepts. And those concepts are the big archetypal, as I was saying, like these big concepts of life, you know, the love, death, sun, moon, temperance, justice, um, these These aren't small things. So when you come to the tarot, this really magical thing happens where like no matter where you're at in terms of like mood or attention span or what have you, the cards in there in the way that image does such such a magical thing, it appears and it brings you into a different space in your imagination. 
So it might recall like a memory, might, you might recall like a sensation or a relationship or a difficulty. And those things coming up, it's like basically the tarot is 78 doorways that are so amazing to walk through and sometimes uncomfortable to walk through. But the idea is when a card comes up, there's something waiting for you on the other side of the door to interface with, something that's calling you. Um, So it's almost like we have this concept like I pick the cards, I picked a tarot card, but what if the tarot card's picking you? What if there's something today that I just need to be reminded of so I can have a little bit more grace in my conversations, a little bit more compassion and humility, just some shift in our day-to-day mundane, like um, sort of um, really strong-willed way of navigating the world. The tarot asks us to go back to the poetics and go back to the big big picture, the underlying forces. So that sounds kind of like huge and overwhelming. Maybe someone's <laughs> like, oh God, now I really don't want to get into the tarot. But the thing is, it's so accessible. Like, you know, if we if I were to have a bunch of people sitting at my table right now, and it doesn't matter if they're 10 years old or they've been working with the tarot for 50 years, you pull out some cards and a conversation happens. That's that's the way. Yeah. That's what's so special about the cards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I often carry them with me kind of wherever I'm going and I keep a deck at my desk and sometimes folks will ask, you know, how do I know what type of spread to to use and and for me it's all very intuitive. It's like, okay, I'm about to get into a conversation with someone, I might pull one card. If I'm going to go spend an afternoon at the park with with my partner, I might we might we might do something completely different and have, you know, 10 cards just looking at just the narrative of what what's to come in our lives. It's it's never really the same and it all kind of just flows from an intuitive standpoint for me. But I I found that in my practice when I was getting started, a really easy a really easy way to begin was to look at to pull to pull three cards to do a a past present future sort of pull and that started acclimating me to just having some comfort with with communicating with the cards in some way and then I could go wherever I wanted and I think that that's um for me at least that was a really great way to get started so that I could just find my way in that that's great I mean this is where I should probably plug um the new <laughs> the new the new edition of the tarot deck that just came yeah. out which is pocket sized yeah, so let's it's talk about it the pocket deck. Um, I wanted to make a small box. Uh, it's kind of like Altoid size. It comes in a tin. It's super cute and perfect for going to the park. Yes, exactly. Or just like pop it in your bag if you go on a trip. And there's something so great about having the tarot with you. Like you're saying, when you're in these like you know other spaces with friends or on a trip or something, because those things help us get out of. Um, our kind of day-to-day mind anyway. So it's a great moment to use the tarot. And then I also want to touch on the point you said around just intuitively using the cards. And I, I couldn't be more, well, I probably could be more, more unconventional with my approach to using the cards in that, you know, people do all these fancy complex spreads and that's really great. And, um, it really can be so revealing. However, each card is a meditation in and of itself. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean to say like, if one were to study, and and I love to do this practice, one card for one year, and really like deeply sit with that concept, it's so powerful. And it Mm. will, you know, and it's, it's just um, there's more than meets the eye. So if one has the inclination to go all wild and do like a 15 card spread that, you know, more power to them. But I use the cards um, very selectively and 
you know, last year I worked with one card and I just brought it with me everywhere. It was in my car. It was in my bag. I was constantly bringing that card to my mind in meditation and just being with it. Mm-hmm. And it changes and it shifts and it's, there's so many ways to use them. Yeah, that's so, that's so beautiful. I, I used your deck. I remember I was in, okay, I was in Joshua Tree for my birthday in 2018 and I had not traveled with the deck and a girlfriend brought your deck over to the place where I was staying. It was the day of my birthday. And the short version is my um, my boyfriend was there with me. He was working on a record. So he was getting ready to go to the studio for the day. And my girlfriend was like, hey, here's, here's, do you know this deck? I was like, oh, I love this deck. Yeah, I love this deck. So that day I, I was there kind of all by myself all day. And I was like, what am I going to do on this special day? And I took your deck and I mapped out the next year using a card per month. So I just did a 12 card and I journaled it all out each of the months that would would come. And then I reflected back on that particular card each month of that year, starting August of 2018. And that was a really special way for me to have a card of kind of a, just a, a, each month. That was what I reflected back on. And of course, when I got home, I have, I have the deck here. And so I was able to then pull those cards back out that I had had in the desert and just every month put that card in front of me again and just reflect on that card for the month. And I found that to be really pretty magical. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because uh, the year ahead, I, I call that like year ahead spread. Um, yeah. It is one of my very favorites. And did you do the card in the center for the theme of the year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that is just, I do, I do that exact reading like around New Year's Eve every year. Mm-hmm. And it's intense. Like you're like, okay, yeah. what does this year entail? And then pulling the single card for the year, like theme of the year, that is, you know, it's like a vulnerable thing to do. You're like, oh shit, what is this going to be? And when I look back at them over the years, because I've been doing that spread for for many years now, just like you're saying, I can track, I can track the narrative of the months, and then I can also track the years over time. Like, okay. There was this, you know, the <laughs> the daughter of pentacles yeah. and then one year and then the next year, the devil card in the, in the center. And it's like, wow, that is, that was intense to sit with the devil card in the center as a theme of the year. Yeah. I was like, okay, Kim, I'm taking one for the home <laughs> team right now. Like, whoa. But when I look back on it, that's actually what I was doing. That was my work for the year. It didn't mean I didn't have like joyful times and amazing times. But that was the deeper like storyline. And it's it's like if the elephant's in the room, you might as well, you know, call it an elephant. <laughs> it's like <laughs> um there was something relieving about it. Ah, oh, that's um and when someone pulls the devil card for someone who's listening and is like, oh, that sounds so scary. What's the what's what can you consider and meditate on when you pull a card like that? Attachment. Attachment. It can take any any form. It can be so subtle. Gripping. Gripping on others. Gripping on the self. Gripping on the life that we think we are supposed to lead. And then it can take more extreme in, uh, forms like addiction or um, substance and, um, you know, it has, it, it has a real spectrum, but its seed is around control and attachment and fear. That's how I understand the card. Yeah. Okay. So you have this, you have these, you have quite a few new things that are coming out. You have, you have the pocket tarot, you have the notes and you have a notebook collection. And then the first self-published deck came out in 2012. And then it hit the New York Times bestseller list like four years later. So take me through, take me through that experience. You created this for yourself and to share with friends. And now it's almost, gosh, all these many years later, almost a decade later from when you created it, it's really it it did take on a life of its own. It completely did. It always had a life of its own. I just remember 
when it first came out and Insta was pretty new at that point too. And I just opened it up one day and kind of saw what was happening. And I was like, I had a flash of like seeing the future of it. And I was like, oh shit, this is going to be on Amazon someday. How weird. And I didn't even like that idea, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was such an intimate thing and I was self-publishing and they were really, all the paper stock was just like amazing. And I could control so much about it. And I saw in that moment, like this thing has a life of its own and my work is to protect it until it can get in the right hands of people that can take it far and wide, like it wants to do. And that was what happened when um, I met Claudia Butote, the um, publisher at, at Harper. And she, she brought the deck, you know, to a wider audience and now it's in, you know, several languages and it's always exciting to like see the Japanese edition and the Russian. I'm like, Oh my God, this thing is in Russian. How, how bizarre. Um, It's just really cool, but it's not, it's not in so many ways. I feel like it's not even mine. It's not about me. It's just like this thing wanted to exist and it does. (laughs) And, And it channeled through you. I, I mean, I, I'm uncomfortable with that word, but I do think something happened. Something Mm -hmm. happened at that time in my life. It was a really interesting time in my life, and so much was shifting. Uh, It was around the time that I really delved into spiritual practice and mantra and this whole idea of there being like a sacred fire in in the body, at the navel, and in the mind, and in the heart. And like that was new for me to practice those, uh, to, to start honoring that light, uh, within me. And when you honor the light, the shadows start moving around too. So that deck has a really strong, um, it, it really holds duality. It's, uh, has the shadows and it has the brightness. And so it's been, I think speaks to people if they are, interested in exploring that that spectrum of light to dark and tarot is one of the many mystical traditions and esoteric systems that you've studied now at this point so what are some of the other things that you find yourself interested in and and how do you incorporate those practices into your life today oh where do i start (laughs) um I guess a lot of it could be defined as, I guess you could use the word magic in that it's interest in what is the unseeable, the unknowable, what's beyond us. And so that gets expressed in so many ways in my life uh, through music, through playing music, the great mystery of melody and sound. And through drawing, which is like such a mysterious practice. And, and then I, I study shamanism and um, depth psychology and all of these things. Like the, the common thread is not knowing. Um, it really is like the wild unknown is such a, is such a perfect, perfectly annoying title for, my, <laughs> for the uh, projects that I've done. It comes from a Bob Dylan song, actually. The, um, the phrase, the wild unknown. Um, but it really does encapsulate what I'm interested in is uh, being present to what I do not yet know and might not ever, probably won't ever know. <laughs> but at the same time, showing up in whatever the practice is, whether it's meditation or relationship or um, in the studio, to try to touch and come in contact with the great mystery. Yeah. And your creative process and how you've evolved as an artist. Talk to me a little bit about that. What does that look like for you? My creative process has evolved in that I'm trying to have less and less control over the material. Uh, so 
It's funny when you draw for a long time, I think this happens with, with musicians and artists through their life, but when they do their craft for long enough, at some point you kind of want to let go of the craft and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So now with drawing, you know, I do a lot of like blindfold drawing and blindfold collage. I do a lot of picking out of jars of materials that, um, I, I don't know what the image is going to be and I'll pull blind out of some um, collage bins that I have of cutout materials. The archetypes deck, I used a pendulum to make decisions around the color of the backgrounds and the images. If I had to decide between two cards, I would use a pendulum. So in a way it's almost like removing myself more and more and experimenting with like, how much can I disappear in this process and have it still resonate with people? That's a really interesting question to me. Um, and what wants to, what wants to show up? I just finished drawing a, a deck that comes out in the spring of 2022. It's based on alchemy and it's like starting a new, a new deck. It's like, what does this want to become? Not what deck do I want to make, but like what, you know, what is this thing that wants to come into being? So yeah, putting all the cards like in a jar and pulling which ones, you know, from a hat and then sitting with that for a while and being like, is that really right? Is that really what this card wants to be called? Um, but I just ask, like, I, I, I try to remember to ask for like, will, will the wisdom like that is most helpful for people using this deck at this time, please be present. And help me to know, you know, if I draw this card as a deer or I draw it as a tiger, those are very different things. And like, I don't know which is right. And there is no right. But like something, please give me, um, give me the guidance so that if I pick the deer, it resonates. And if I pick the tiger, it resonates. So a long answer to your question but that's that's what I'm most interested in now yeah and it is it is a it feels it feels like a collective and a collaborative approach to work and I don't know who there who is there collaborating with you from a from a I'm like waving my arms in the air and no one listening can see me doing this but it feels like you're inviting in a conversation an an unknown conversation and that's one definition of magic is collaboration with the yeah. unknown. I love that definition because it encompasses all modalities. And it gets us out of the driver's seat and the commanding seat and the control center. And suddenly we're on like a spaceship with <laughs> all, all the mysterious forces. And we don't really know where we're going and it gets really cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's super fun, right? <laughs> it's definitely more fun than when I'm dri driving the ship <laughs> and I'm like in my control mindset, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I've got five questions for you to wrap up our time together. And I'm really interested to see what comes up in these questions with you. So the first one is, tell us about an object or charm that is special to you. Oh, I had my answer prepared, but it's always wild when the question gets asked again. And I'm, th and I'm, um, I'm thinking of a ring that my friend made um, from a from a dream that I had. I had a dream about uh, a gift that was given to me from my father's side of the family and a gift that was given to me from the, my mother's side of the family. And um, my father's side gifted me a, an emerald and my mother's side gifted me a braid. And I sat with that dream for a long time. And just thinking about having those two objects in my hands, I was like, 
a little braid of hair and an emerald. Like, wow, it's so beautiful. And eventually I asked my, my dear friend, um, I don't want to plug her jewelry company, but I kind of wish that I could because I think she would be annoyed, but <laughs> she's so, she's so gifted. And, um, I came to her with those two objects and said, I want to make a, a ring out of these. So we worked together and, um, ended up casting a, a braided band that holds a, a small emerald, small square emerald in the center. And it's really special to me because it feels like a kind of, it feels like a, a kind of forgiveness or something, something like that. Uh, forgiveness jewelry. And I love that it, it came from the past and it came from a dream and also that it's something new uh, that, you know, that my friend created. So long answer, but. So special. And you know, you're going to get messages and so am I from people that are going to be like, who made the jewelry? <laughs> who made the jewelry? So if you're listening and you want to know, maybe it's, we'll let you know. Maybe we'll tell it's, you. It's Asa Jewelry, A-E-S-A. They don't sell them okay, anymore. Yeah. They they only have a few a few things um these days. But yeah, I was gonna say like my cat is my most <laughs> my <laughs> favorite thing, but I don't know. When you asked the question, I just thought about the braided the braided band. You can love them both and share yes. them both. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the next question is what is a book that changed your life? I have to say The Pearl by John Steinbeck. I read it, I had read it when I was young, but I reread it this year. And I don't know, folks, whoever's listening, please read the book. I think if everyone on earth read that book, we would be changed. That's all I'll say. Okay. I'm going to bring it back around. I haven't read it since I was like a teenager, I think. So, so special. Okay. And it's a quick Next. read. It's like, don't get overwhelmed. It's like one, you'll read it in one day because it's so intense. It, it just goes by really quick. I will definitely bring it back out and it will be on my very short list. Okay. So the next question is, tell me about an experience or moment that changed your life in a profound way. I'm going to go back to the tarot with this question. I'm still mind boggled by this memory. Uh, I remember when a friend came over to my house, this was about five years ago. And we were beginning a, a pretty big collaborative project. And little did I know, I was at a giant precipice in my life, but I really didn't know. It's like I had blinders on. And they came in, I, I remember the whole scene so well. They came to the dining room table and there was a deck out and they said, well, why don't we pick a card for this project? I was like, okay, you can if you want, but I felt a little jaded about it and I was just you know, ready to get to work. And they pulled the wheel of fortune card and they were standing in the dining room by the table. And I was in the kitchen pretty far away. And I turned around and I saw them holding the card up and something in me was like, Oh shit. This is something's happening. I'd never there was something about that person, that moment, that card, and the way they held it up to me from across the room. And I feel like at that moment, I did start descending under the wheel of fortune and being spun completely around. And that arc, that, that's a card I kept in my car for, for a year. The arc of the, of the wheel is slow. It's not like when the Wheel of Fortune card comes up, it's like, oh, this month I'm going to go through something. It's like, no, 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 get like, get ready for the slow shift that is like destiny pulling you on a different trajectory, literally upside down. 
and then right side up in a new formation. And I think about that moment a lot and that card a lot. And sometimes I still feel like I'm just cresting the top of the wheel and coming back into myself again years later. Amazing. So special. So special. Ooh, what a ride. I was like chills the whole way through you sharing that. <laughs> I was like, ooh, ooh yes. <laughs> okay. What is something that you do for your health and wellness? I do a lot of breath work and I sing. I've been singing a lot this year. Well, I've been singing a lot over the years, but this year it's become a real practice and part of my day and uh, play the harmonium and sing. And it's, it's brought a lot of uh, harmony <laughs> into my life in a way that uh, other things don't. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. I love the breath work. So it's like working with breath and then expressing through voice, two really brilliant things. Yeah, I mean, singing is singing is breath work in a way. Um, mm -hmm. And the more that I do breath work, the more that my capacity, my vocal capacity increases. So they're really they're really interesting to do together. So nourishing, and I just feel mm -hmm. like so needed. You know, song song is so disarming. And yeah, so, so true. It's that is an energy we we need right now, the disarming energy. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell me about a moment that you knew magic was real. This is kind of a big moment. I feel like um, it's kind of heavy, like. I don't know. I'm getting a sense that I've been like very serious and heavy during this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, shit, this is too much. Um, but I remember knowing magic was real when my grandpa died when I was young. And I didn't really know what was happening because my family wasn't so um, inclined to talk about death or anything like that. But it was a couple of days after he died and no one was home. I would think I was like seven or eight or something like that. And I lived on a farm in Michigan and no one was home. I went outside. I remember thinking of my grandpa and thinking, I'm going to go outside and walk with grandpa, like his spirit. And I'm not going to go into detail about that experience because I just hold it very, very close to me. But the way that the world felt on that day in the forest, I could feel my grandpa like in everything, in the mm -hmm. wind, in the trees, in the light, in the ground. In every, it, it felt like there was presence everywhere. And that's a memory that really anchors me when I start like doubting the entirety of all things, all positive things in the entire universe. And I get really down or depressed or what have you. And I go back to that memory. I'm like, no, that is some magical shit. Like there's no, the things that happened that day, there's no explanation for. And that presence is always accessible. And it's particularly open. The doorway to that is very open when there's death and death and birth. I have a tendency to slide the doorway open. The veil lifts. But it's always there. And so that memory has been a guiding light for me. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Okay. So if someone wants to find, by the time this episode comes out, the new, all the newness will be birthed out into the world, the new pocket tarot, the notes and the notebook collection. So 
To close us up, tell us a little bit about those new products and where people will be able to find them and all that good stuff. They are available at thewildunknown.com. And you can also find things through kimkranz.com. You'll, a, a links will take you hither and nither, hither and there, here and there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can also find them at your, you know, local bookstore or um, on the, the giant that is Amazon. Um, and let's see, the, the tarot deck is a small, like I was saying, a small, like really portable, super user-friendly, um, compact size stocking stuffer sized, um, tarot deck. And it comes with a super mini guidebook. It's so cute. Like the whole packaging is just so cute. It makes me smile just thinking about it. Um, and then the, there's a set of note cards and notebooks and, um, some blank journals that just have the tarot imagery on them and, uh, just inspiring, uh, different themes for writing and journaling. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, Kim, anything else you want to share before we, before we wrap up? I don't believe so. This has been lovely. Perfect. Yeah, it's been so wonderful getting to spend time with you and getting to know you. And I'm so looking forward to getting my hands on the new, the new goodies and packing that little mini duck in my purse and taking it with me everywhere. So thank you for making it. Thank you, Andy. My sincerest gratitude to Kim for joining us for today's episode. I encourage you to consider incorporating her beautiful offerings into your holiday gift list this year. Also give a check out to our gift guide. I've linked it in the show notes. And for someone that perhaps you want to offer something a little greater to, or if you're considering an investment in yourself, the manifestation blueprint is still available. It's a really magical way to start to map out your 2022 plans. Speaking of manifestation, I will be back again with a mini episode next week and the week after. So join us again over the next two weeks for additional bonus episodes as we prepare for season two. If you're loving the show, I encourage you to go back and check out some of the episodes from season one that perhaps you haven't yet listened to. Leave us a review, share on social. We are your woo-woo BFF on Instagram. And of course, I'm Andy at Girl. Much love. I'll see you again super soon. Have a magical, magical rest of your day. Be well.